this is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website, www.reachingthefinishline.com. And pick up my free report. Save up to 75% what they don't want you to know. ReachingTheFinishLine.com And welcome. Today I am delighted to have S.C. Mowadi. S.C. is a best-selling author, mobile tech visionary, and serial author, serial entrepreneur. Uh, she has authored the book Mobilize, in which she has uh, assisting thousands of startups and small businesses strive in the ever-expanding innovation world of mobile. She's also been an executive at Facebook, Nokia, and Trulia. So I'm happy to have her today. Essie, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Great. Let's go back in time. Let's talk about the beginning stages of your journey. You know, how did you discover a love for entrepreneurship? Was your, was your parents entrepreneurs? Yes, actually my, my whole family is a family of entrepreneurs, um, small business owners, medium business builders. Um, and uh, so it's sort of in my DNA. And at the same time, you know, I, I think uh, I'm different than other members of my family because I chose the path of technology which um, which is a, a really new thing in, in my family and um, that has brought me to Silicon Valley. I see. So uh, what were your, you know, so, so what was your mother, what, what type of business she was in and what type of business your father was in? I'm kind of yes. interested to see how that kind of cultivated your love for what you got into. Yes, absolutely. So um, my my mother was a, an author. She wrote an, uh, six best-selling books. Wow. Uh, my father built, uh, my father had a very uh, interesting and tumultuous life because he grew up um, in a time of, of war. So he immigrated to France, where I am from, to Paris, and started a business there. Uh, basically from scratch um, so he you know he arrived literally with nothing and and built everything from scratch there um, he had a he had a, a bookstore and uh, grew it to be one of the you know largest bookstores in Paris and um, definitely you know my the rest of my family um, was also a family of business owners so I have a an uncle who uh, is an architect and has a, a practice as an architect. I have an uncle who is um, a doctor and has um, a clinic. Um, and, you know, uh, a lot of uh, different industries and different businesses, but everybody basically building something of their own and from scratch, as opposed to joining big corporations. Interesting. Uh, it's definitely easier to be an entrepreneur when you have a family background of entrepreneurs. You know, there's a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, they want to make the shift to, entre to entrepreneurship, but, you know, uh, they don't really have a reference point. You know, perhaps they don't have people in their lives that are entrepreneurs, perhaps, perhaps their, their family, uh, you know, their, their, their parents, their grandparents, uh, they have kind of been blue collar, they've been working all of their lives. You know, 
you know, you know, to, you know, to 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 kind of uh, add a side question to this, what would you recommend, SC? You know, let's say a person, you know, perhaps was not kind of as fortunate as you would being born under entrepreneurs. What would you recommend to someone who's listening to you, and they want to be an entrepreneur, but they don't have the reference point? You know, they don't they, they don't have mm-hmm. the, they, they don't have friends. They're entrepreneurs. They don't have yes. their parents are entrepreneurs. What would you recommend to them? Yes, yes. I, I would say a couple of things. One is um, entrepreneurship is really a mindset, and sometimes you grow up with it, sometimes you build it over time, but it's something that can be learned. And the the one big thing for for me that was important was to say like, I own this. You know, often like when you build something, you sort of build it for other reasons than because it's your own. And it's only often when you start having, you know, maybe developing my own sense of uh, business acumen and, and, and sense of entrepreneurship, saying like, this is my you know, mind, like sense of ownership. Then there are lots of really great books that I would recommend. Uh, many of them were completely transformational for me. Like the first one I would recommend is uh, one called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, it yeah. talks a lot about that sense of ownership. It's describing for for those of you know of your listeners who haven't read it yet. It's saying like, hey, when I was a kid, I had two dads. One was a rich dad, and one was a you know, poor dad. And rich dad really thought in terms of like, this is my stuff, like sense of ownership. And poor dad thought in terms of like, how much is going to cost me, right? And that was like a huge book for me. For sure, I, I definitely uh, interviewed uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, several months ago, I had him on a show, and uh, a, lot, a lot of our listeners are, I, w- I would imagine, are definitely uh, uh, familiar with that book. So what's your number two book? The number two book is actually a book about empowerment. It's, uh, you know, pretty much any book by Tony Robbins, I think is uh, phenomenal, um, because what it does is it sort of helps you to get out there and say, it's mine, or here I am, which is sort of the same thing. And I think it takes a lot of courage, it takes a lot of confidence to be able to say that. And when you're just starting, at least when I was just starting, I didn't have that level of confidence. I was always hesitant to say, this is mine, I'm proud of this, this is who I am. And these kind of self-confidence books are, are awesome for entrepreneurs. So I would definitely recommend you know, Tony Robbins' books or workshops or any sort of um, you know, self-confidence, self-awareness programs that, um, you know, comes across your way and that you, you know, you trust. Uh, so that's number two. And then number three, I would say from there, it's a lot more of like tactical stuff. Mm. So depending on the type of business you're in, do you need, or the type of problems you're facing, do you need to be better at marketing? Um, you know, I, I would say like, Books about marketing management are, are excellent. Um, do you need to have more predictable revenue? There's a book that's awesome called Predictable Revenue. Mm. Are you a consultant trying to build your consulting practice? But after that, it's sort of, you know, depending on your trade, go and read about your trade. How to be better at sales, marketing, accounting, business building, fundraising, whatever it is that is the challenge you're facing. Those are are all good resources, SC, and um, definitely uh, recommend people uh, take heed to those things. As you was growing up, as uh, as you was growing up, you know, about to graduate uh, from high school, 
you know, I'm not now. Now, did, did you did you study uh, university in France or United States? Both. I uh, I did my engineering degree in France, mm-hmm. and then I got my business degree in the United States. Mm-hmm. But when I was in high school, that was in France. That was in Paris. I was actually kind of far from you know, the, the business owner or the business builder that I am today. I, um, I was a lot more in, uh, you know, I grew up in Paris, in France, so kind of that more Parisian mindset. I wanted to be an author and more like a fiction author and, and grow that way. <laughs> and then it's really when I moved to the United States that I, you know, sort of came into my own as, as a business person. Interesting. Uh, now, when you st- <laughs> I, had a, I have a friend... Um- a uh, good friend of mine named Yannick, and uh, uh, he was just telling me about how kind of very intensive the, the education standards are in France, and like how, like how, like for example, like he was telling me something about when they select doctors, they only select a certain amount of doctors based on their uh, based on their grades. So, the, the, so I guess, for, like for example, the the, the first hundred people who have the best grades, whoever have the best grades, in that out of five hundred people, uh, uh, the the, the hundred have the best, uh, they will go on to uh, become doctors and get licenses and all that. And it was so interesting because looking at the U.S., it's not even that complicated. It's you graduate your degree, uh, you know, you now you're a doctor, you know, as opposed to France is definitely. I mean, I understand the philosophy, but uh, I was wondering: is that the case when you studying to become an engineer, or or is it kind of specific to certain industries? Yeah, it's sort of it, it's a it's a mix. And you're right that I think you know the French education is sort of really rigorous and demanding, and um, there's also a, sort of a different mentality in you know non-U.S. countries where. People have been established for, you know, many generations and it is not necessarily like the melting pot that the U.S. is. So in some professions like doctors, which are regulated, there are, you know, kind of certain rules. Start with a free audiobook. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. You may not have a lot of free time. But you can definitely listen to a book on a plane, on the bus, or even while you're driving. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. Start reaching the finish line with your free audiobook. Uh, but engineering, where I studied, you know, there's always innovation, and and there's a lot of innovation in the U.S. and in France. So I I didn't have that experience of there's only a limited number of um, spots for jobs, mm-hmm. but there's definitely a very, very critical selection for, at, you know, during university. But then once you graduate from university, it's kind of like the U.S. model where as an engineer, you're, you're lucky enough that you can find jobs. I see. Now, you study business in the United States. Now, I'm curious to know that did your business degree uh, was it was it a master's or bachelor's? It was an MBA. Okay, so did your MBA? Do you did you think that made you a better entrepreneur? Oh, definitely. So the the um, big change for me and that big coming into my own was actually moving to Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, when I got my MBA, I, I got it at the uh, Stanford University, which is in the middle of Silicon Valley. And all of a sudden, I discovered <clears throat> what it means to be a tech entrepreneur. And it's, you know, it, it's in a way, it's very similar, but it's also very different from being a regular, like, small business owner or, or um, uh, entrepreneur in, like, non-technology industry. A lot of the business sense is the same. You know, you still have to make money. You still have to show a profit. You still have customers and all that stuff is the same. But on the other hand, what's different about technology is that it keeps changing. And so for me, that's really when I, you know, moved to Silicon Valley, got my degree that I realized like, okay, this is really where, where I love to be, where things keep changing, but yet I can still use my entrepreneurial skills. Mm. Now, the, the, the engineering degree that you had in France, was that was that mobile engineering or what type of engineering did you study exactly in France? Technically, it was a mix of electrical engineering and computer engineering. Um, there see. wasn't a specifically a specialty around mobile, but it's everything that had to do with computers and networks and the internet. Yeah, yeah, very similar enough. Uh, and, and it's quite interesting because... Um, uh, you're another person that has stated that their MBA has really made them a better entrepreneur. I had uh, Gloria Mayfield Banks, uh, which is uh, which, which she's like the the number one uh, uh, national uh, sales director of Mary Kay, which is like which is like some kind of like like a global type of kind of cosmetic uh, business, and mm -hmm. and she has created like a multi million dollar empire. But she stated that you know when she got her degree from Harvard, uh, she got she got her MBA that she also noticed that. You know, she, she felt like it really had an influential difference to her success as an entrepreneur. But then I talked to other people, and and they're just as successful. So it just kind of paints the picture that shows that, you know, you know, every, you know, different things work for different people. And for mm -hmm. some people, really, you know, university can really make a difference. Uh, it can really make a person more successful because it it, it gives it may give a person uh, a better business orientation, uh, as opposed to maybe someone else. Uh, who maybe just really has a drive, or maybe who's just surrounded by uh, a, a, a group of a group of the right people who who, who very seasoned and have the experience in the field, uh, they may not, you know, feel that that path is uh, necessary. Uh, but what the, would you say? The to one that? thing I would um, the one thing I would say, Karen. First of all, at the master's level, I hundred percent agree with you. I think that you may or may not want, you know graduate education and you can be just as successful but I think that at the undergraduate level uh, it's a little bit different um, and you know when I was growing up maybe you could get by without a, a, an undergraduate degree very few people who don't have an undergraduate degree however have been really successful but I think for for today's Folks, you know, who are right now in, in high school or at university or, or younger, like you really need that undergraduate degree if you want to be competitive, whether as an entrepreneur or in any corporation. The world has just become more competitive. This is definitely a topic that I like to talk about because <laughs> because I'm a really a huge fan of this whole type of this this subtopic. But I agree with you. Uh, specifically regarding employees. You know, I know a lot of people 
who you know even on a basic level they want to become let's say like a like a like a store manager in like a supermarket or they want to become a store manager like in a retail store and you look at the requirements that the employer asks for they want them to have uh, a bachelor's degree absolutely you know they'll say you know a bachelor's in business administration or something of that sort i absolutely agree with that there's no disagreements about that and unfortunately you know it's like if anyone wants to really kind of even get ahead i mean sometimes now when you look at certain when you look at certain uh, uh, economies uh, throughout the United States and certain in, in, in certain regions, uh, there are very few jobs, and even the employers are uh, using uh, a person's uh, college degree, whether they're going to even give a person an entry level job. You know. Uh, oh you know, yes. Uh, so 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 when it comes to the employee aspect, absolutely agree. When it comes to the entrepreneur aspect, for me. I will. I think I will have to, uh, you know, agree to disagree. I've seen the. I've interviewed. I have worked with. I have, uh, you know, talked with a lot of different people, uh, who just simply they don't have the business degree and they are very successful. You know, I've had on uh, uh, Peter uh, Peter Sage, uh, who uh, who was. It's actually you speak of Tony Robbins. He's uh, the youngest trainer that's trainer Tony Robbins. But he has had uh, 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 two huge uh, health businesses uh, that he built from the ground up. No business degree, nothing. And they've been ex- he, he, he went ahead and sold them. They've been extremely successful. Um, another person you mentioned, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, same thing. Uh, uh, well, actually, he did go to college, but he didn't go to college for business. But uh, same thing. Uh, really, uh, you know, no sense of uh, business orientation. When I interviewed him, he even said that he barely graduated from college. Um, but I mean, it's just—I mean, I, I, I can kind of go on and on of people who don't really have a business degree. But I think I don't know. See, I think it's—I think it's different. You know, I really think that now it's not so much about what you know; it's also about who you know. I mean, you can—I mean, if you're active, I know people who are active on LinkedIn. Who are able to make great connections, uh, get you know five you know mid five figure consulting contracts, and you know they don't they don't have any type of you know prior business degree. So I, I in, in my experience, I do think it's a bit different on entrepreneurial side. But as far as the employee, I mean, again, I absolutely agree with you without a doubt. Want the full episode? You can get it when you become a Prim Twenty Premium Radio subscriber. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your premium subscription today. Get one hour commercial free episodes, private mastermind calls with our guests, and much more. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your premium subscription. For just another way to help you start reaching your finish line. Yeah, and you know, I, I totally agree. You don't need a business degree. You need, an, an, it, my point would be, you need an undergraduate degree. But you can always find people who don't have that. The two you mentioned are, are awesome examples. Steve Jobs also you know, dropped out and um, Bill Gates also dropped out. Um, and, and these people are brilliant and they are you know, often more the exception rather than the rules. I'm not saying you have no chance. I'm saying it's just a lot more difficult. And then the other thing that I see is that for a lot of entrepreneurs, um, they need to understand how a corporation works if they want to be successful at their own business, especially if they are selling two businesses. 
-hmm. And so they need to, you know, sometimes have experience at large corporations and that helps. Sometimes, you know, they don't like it as much like, you know, when, you know, I was working for a big corporation. Sometimes I liked it, sometimes less so. But it really helped me understand how big corporations operate. And that was really helpful. And it is still very helpful now that I run my own thing. And let's talk about that. Uh, You worked for some huge corporations, uh, Facebook, uh, Nokia, and uh, Trulia. And there's no doubt, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, definitely your college degree has gotten you those uh, executive positions uh, at those uh, 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 corporations. Let's talk about the first, uh, you know, big corp that you worked for. Was it Facebook, Nokia, Trulia? The first company um, actually is is, um, Nokia uh, out of the three. But before that, I worked for even another one, Electronic Arts, that makes video games. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar with them. Yes. Please (laughs) tell us. Well, you know, I I joined uh, most of these companies. I I was uh, building products. Uh, and running uh, businesses, like emerging businesses for them. So I I got to really experience, um, you know, sort of being in a small company within the big company, which was a great fit for me. I will tell you that for someone who's an entrepreneur to work in a big organization where you only are responsible for you know, a very small um, aspect of the business. It's really just, for example, if, you know, um, I was part of an organization that was too large or that was, you know, broken down into too many different functions, then I felt that I never really had the impact that I wanted to make. And so I would sort of try to have a bigger impact and then I would get in trouble because I was like stepping on other people's toes. For sure. And for people who are, I mean, you know, I, I'm aware and you're definitely aware, uh, but for people who don't know, uh, you know, what type of corporation uh, or company, Electronic Arts, they make a lot of video games. They make the, the Maddens, the NBA Lives, you know, a lot of the games that I definitely used to play uh, when I was younger. Uh, let me ask you about the, uh, let me ask you about, you know, what was the company culture like? Did you feel like they were nurturing? Did you feel like they were supportive? Because I feel like that's a lot of things that, uh, uh, you know, people face, you know, especially in the work world, like only a fifth of, of Americans actually like their jobs. So there's, so there's a lot of dissatisfaction and discomfort. Sometimes a lot of times employees' uh, concerns are not being met. You know, they're not being listened to. Uh, sometimes they're often ignored. And, and that could definitely f- affect employee morale. What was the company culture like in EA? Were, were they nurturing? Were they supportive? You know, um, generally speaking, I think that, um, you know, companies try to be very supportive and to put processes in place to sort of do the right thing. But they're so big that it becomes sort of impersonal. And so um, I've sort of always found it challenging to feel, you know, a sense of belonging and a sense of growth if I didn't take ownership of it myself. And for your listeners, I would I would definitely say, you know, if you want to get ahead, if you want to have job satisfaction, if you want to have, you know, um, meaningful employment, you want to you want to take ownership of it um, and, and not expect it from your employers. Uh, and maybe it is because, you know, working in technology, you tend to, you know, have people who are, you know, um, 
taking ownership of their own careers just because the industry changes so much. But I have not seen a, a ton of companies that do it, you know, the way that, for example, GE used to do it where they would, you know, take you under their wings and and uh, train you and um, let, you know, kind of have a path for you. I think that most of the companies that I've worked with and I've worked for are, are expecting you to take ownership of your career. Great. So, and, and that's true. And that's definitely true. You know, there, there's only but so much a big corporation can do as far as kind of fostering a very uh, healthy company culture because even, you know, such a corporation like EA or a corporation like Facebook or Nokia, um, you know, they have hundreds and hundreds, probably maybe even thousands of employees. And it's, and it's really hard for the CEO uh, the COO to really see what's going on, so they always entrust you know another person to hope that they're doing a good job, and they can always they can always really they can't always be involved in everything. So really, it's a bunch of relationships of trust, uh, you know, and, and hopes that everything go as planned, and hopes that uh, a couple, an ideal company culture is created uh, for their employees. But you know. I would imagine, I see that, you know, some some huge corps they do do a better job when it comes to company culture than other uh, huge corporations. Uh, you know, when you went on to Nokia, uh, you know, was it better? Uh, was it worse? I mean, again, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm not, I don't want you to badger like no specific people, but I'm just saying a company culture. I mean, as far yes, as, yes. as far how the environment was. Uh, did you feel it was better than EA? Did you feel it was about the same? Did you feel it was worse? And perhaps you could talk about some of the differences. Yes, yes, absolutely. So generally speaking, what I would say is that the longer the company has been around, and the better they take care of their people. And why? Because they are, um, you know, filled with employees who have been around for, uh, you know, decades, uh, sometimes several decades. And so they want to make sure that these employees um, have current knowledge, that they are contributing um, to the organization based on the latest uh, tools and best practices. And so they invest more in training their employees. So I would say that, you know, the longer the company you work for has been around, the more you're going to have these trainings um, and these career paths out of the box. And Nokia has been around for 130 years. So there's definitely a lot more of that than at, you know, a company like Electronic Arts or, you know, many of the companies of Silicon Valley, which have only been around for um, 10 to 20 years. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I definitely remember, SC, when I was uh, 15 years old, I had my first cell phone. And there believe, you go. And believe it or not, it was a Nokia. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It, 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 was a, it was a Nokia Go phone. And, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I, was, I was a young teenager. I didn't think much of it. I just thought it was so cool at that time to have a cell phone. Uh, but, yeah, but, yeah, it's just so interesting how such a huge corporation – makes a difference on a society you know and, and you know and, and at that time really nokia uh, I'm, I'm not sure about today now i mean I, i'm not really up to date with all of the type of mobile technologies that's probably that's probably something you're more of an expert in but i can definitely say uh you know when i was 15 years old like definitely nokia was probably in the top three 
when it comes when it came to uh, biggest cell phone uh, uh, companies, uh, service providers. And the last question, as we as we come to an end, is I'm always curious about the routines of entrepreneurs. I I have heard some very interesting uh, morning routines uh, from from a lot of people that I have interviewed on the show. I've read about some. I've you know seen some on video, and then some people just have no routine. It's nothing special. It's just they get up, they go to work, and some people are quirky. I'm interested. What is does SC have a special morning routine or it's just simple as just getting up out of bed and getting to work? <laughs> no, I have a pretty um, set routine. I, I exercise every morning and uh, uh, I, I actually, um, you know, spend an hour every time I wake up doing something that's physically pretty uh, intense and, and exhaustive. And I found that it helps me stay balanced and um it's super valuable for me and, and, you, and you feel like it makes you more mentally productive oh absolutely it's like Great. you know it brings me oxygen oxygen is good for the brain for sure absolutely uh, as we come to a close as see if people want to follow you or get in contact with you how would they do that yes it's very easy i am sc moati pretty much everywhere s-c-m-o-a-t-t-i on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on my website. So I'm easy to find. Great. And I'd and love to hear from everyone. If they want to get that book, how would they get that book? Mobilize. You, yes, it's on Amazon. It's on every you know major retailer. If you want to learn more about the book, you can also go on my website, scmoati.com. And the book is called Mobilized. Great. SC, thank you for being our guest. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. Thank you for listening just another great episode by Callan Diggs best-selling author and career strategist has seen a fast company and Inc. magazine if you're not on an email list you're missing out go to reachingthefinishline.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives